1: Welcome to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast, helping attorneys achieve more success. We're glad you can listen today on the Legal Talk Network. And today's episode is a—it's about people. It's a little bit about physical plan, and it's a little bit bigger than both. It's about people working with your business, but not necessarily in the same place as you. And the title today is very simple, The Virtual Law Firm, uh, because my guest is Brian Miles, Brian is the CEO of Ballet Solutions and author of a book, which uh, I've recently read and uh, recommend to anybody uh, who's listening uh, as, a, as a great book to change the way you think about people in the workplace. It's called Virtual Culture. The Way We Work Doesn't Work Anymore, A Manifesto. Um, and we'll be talking to Brian about that and about the virtual workplace. Um, I am, of course, your host, Christopher Anderson, an attorney with a singular passion for helping other lawyers achieve success with their law firm businesses as they define it. In the Unbillable hour each month, we explore an area important to help you grow your revenues, get back more of your time and or get more professional satisfaction from your business. The Unbillable Hour is dedicated to helping lawyers achieve freedom through their businesses, and our guests help you learn more about how to make your law firm business work for you instead of the other way around. But before we get started, I do want to say thank you to our sponsors Answer One, Solo Practice University, Scorpion, and Law Clerk. Answer One is a leading virtual receptionist and answering services provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800-ANSWER-ONE or online at www.answerone.com. That's again, www, little dot, the word answer, and then the number one, dot, com. Solo Practice University is a great resource for solos no matter how long you've been practicing. Make sure you check out solopracticeuniversity.com. And learn how to run your practice better. Scorpion crushes the standard for law firm online marketing with proven campaign strategies to get attorneys better cases from the internet. Partner with Scorpion to get an award winning website and ROI positive marketing programs today. Visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast. Law Clerk, where attorneys hire freelance lawyers. There are no sign up or monthly fees. Only pay the flat fee price you set. Increase your profits, not your overhead. Learn more at www.lawclerk.legal. And again, today's episode of the Unbillable Hour is the virtual law firm. And my guest today is Brian Miles. As I mentioned, he's the CEO of Belay Solutions and author of Virtual Culture, The Way We Work Doesn't Work Anymore. And I got to tell you, as I was mentioning, it's, it's a great book um, and uh, really, really opened my eyes uh, and changed my thinking on uh, on the virtual workspace. And we're going to be talking to Brian about that here today. So first of all, Brian, welcome to the Unbillable Hour.
2: Thank you, Christopher. It's great to be here. I appreciate the opportunity.
1: Oh, not at all. It's really exciting uh, to speak to you. Enjoyed your book. Um, but first of all, uh, you know, my introduction of you was really brief. Would you mind just following up on it? Just how did you come to be so passionate about
2: virtual work? Yeah, you bet. So over the course of the last few years, we've obviously our business has grown at Belay and uh, we've we've won awards. Um, we've been on the EEC uh, 5,000 list now for the fourth year in a row. But back in 2016, late 2016, we actually won a culture award with Entrepreneur Magazine for the top company culture. What made that a big deal for us internally um, was that we did this without an office. Yeah. Uh it was it was a it was a really big deal. Uh and we we had a lot of people call us and say, How in the world have you got to six hundred plus team members on your team without an office? And so for me, it felt like we needed to kind of um you know create a playbook on how to build a virtual company or virtual organization that was of size and mattered and just provide that as a playbook, not the playbook, but a playbook on how we did it.
1: Yeah. And I mean it's kind of remarkable to have like, cause most people, I think I certainly do or did associate culture. Like if you, you know, when you think about culture, like the first thing that comes to mind is people working together Yeah. and to win an award for culture when you don't have anybody working together, um, is, is fairly remarkable. And it, so it, was that sort of the inspiration for writing the book virtual culture.
2: Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I, we worked so hard as an organization, all literally all of us, all 600 plus of us work from home where we wanted to create an organization of meaning. And, uh, we've worked really hard to create some policies and s- some other things that we do that are event focused to, to really create a meaningful culture. And oftentimes I'd hear people go, yeah, but you're, you're of size, but you know, you're really not a company. Uh-huh. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? We are a company. We we're producing profit <laughs> we're, we're hitting awards, you know, that are third party verified. We're we're doing all the right things, but yet people would discount us because we didn't have an office. And I just thought that's ridiculous. And so for me, I started to kind of ask myself, well, what is culture? And I, and I came, I landed on this conclusion that culture is not an office. Culture is basically shared vision. Yeah. And that's what our team has, you know, rallied around. We've, you know, we, we push really hard on our, our folks to kind of fight the status quo when they, you know, in the early days, we heard people go, can we have a place to meet? Yeah, it's called Starbucks or, you know, a restaurant or whatever, or we can go get you shared co-work, you know, space to go sit in for a day if you need to. But for the most part, we just don't need an office. And we've been able to scale significantly because every time we add a team member, they've got a hundred square feet in their house that would take me, you know, months to kind of prepare for if I had to add people on an ad hoc basis like that.
1: Yeah, and so, you know, you talk about virtual culture. I think you use this quote in the book, and uh, I've actually done some research on the quote. It's uh, often attributed to Peter Drucker, but apparently that attribution is weak. Uh, But culture eats strategy for breakfast, or some people say for lunch. Yeah, Like you just said, I mean, I think it's a great definition. Culture is a shared vision. What does it mean that it eats strategy for
2: lunch? Well, I I think... The execution of an organization, whether you're a law firm or, you know, a business or a nonprofit, even the execution of it, it is important to have strategy, but it's the people that get it done. And so if if the glue of the culture is not there, then people are working without meaning. They're they're wondering why they are doing this on a day to day basis. There's no passion behind their work. And, um, you know, I, I just think that culture trumps it. It does. It just, you know, people want to work in a place of meaning where they feel like they're contributing, where they're winning personally and professionally. And all of that has nothing to do with an off, uh, actual office.
1: Yeah. So, let, I mean, that really is a great segue into what I wanted to ask you about. Because, you know, before we get to talking about how great virtual is and that, you know, you were able to win an award for culture, even though you guys were vulture, uh, virtual, virtual and you know that you are indeed at least a business. Uh, you know, people said you're not a company. Uh, that, that's ridiculous. I mean, you're, you're a successful business, but that might just be you. So, let's. What I want to talk about a little bit is like what what's not working. I mean, your book title isn't just virtual culture. You took pains to call it virtual culture. The way we work doesn't work anymore. Yeah. So not working about the workplace, the traditional workplace uh, where people come into an office?
2: Well, there's a few things. I, I think the first is I think companies, we worked really hard to create what we call conflict norms in our business. So, you know, we we've got to find ways to have healthy debate and conflict in our business. And that is regardless of whether you have a physical presence or not. We realized early on in our business that it would be really easy for our employees to gossip if they wanted to. And we don't tolerate gossip. And so we kind of created a policy around that and we teach and we train on what gossip is and what you're supposed to do with things when you have problems or issues.
1: Yeah. You, in fact, in your book, you call the water cooler something like horrible. I forget what it was. Though.
2: Oh, it's, it's terrible. It's just, a, it's a virtual water cooler. It's, it's for yeah. me, it's just a, a, a poisonous, horrible place to go inside of any business. And I, I, I just can't stand gossip in general. I mean, whether it's inside or outside of business, I, I hate it. So we just decided early on, it'd be so easy for you to gossip inside a virtual company where everybody can't see each other. We just said, hey, if we get wind of it, you're fired. And we put it in our employee handbook and we trained around it.
1: Okay, so conflict norms and no gossip. But so let's talk about what works for you. But so I think what you're saying, though, is that in the traditional workplace, like these are killers.
2: Yeah. And, we, and, and I, my wife and I, who we founded the business together, we've been part of organizations where gossip ran rampant. And we hated it and people inside it hated it. And it was just just a terrible place to work. And we said when we created this company, like we want to create a company we want to work for and be part of and be proud of. And and one of the things we knew that created a nasty environment was gossip. Yeah. You know, and it's not just the people that you would, you know, you would assume like maybe your frontline employees it's leaders and executives and owners. They gossip too, and we just decided we're not going to be part of that. We're not going to participate in that activity. It's unnecessary. And we, in real quick, we we train people on what gossip is, so they they know how to look for it. For example, we just tell them in the employee handbook, and then on an ongoing basis in our online training, gossip is taking your problem to somebody that can do nothing about it. Yeah, and what you're supposed to do is take gossip up. Because when you take it to your peers or worse to somebody that even reports to you, you're basically taking a problem to somebody that is, um, can absolutely do nothing about it. But on top of that, they now are kind of yielded as useless and, and they're poisoned in that process. Right. So we just work really hard to help them understand how gossip impacts our company and how we don't tolerate it. And unfortunately over eight years of being in business, I've had to let go of three really great people so far because they gossip and they knew, they knew the outcome when I got them on the phone we validated what they said. They admitted it, and we said, "I'm sorry. That today's your last day."
1: Well, let's talk about them. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, so that's definitely a productivity killer, right? I think you made that clear. But there, I think you there are also some in a traditional workplace. What are some other things like? People think that they need to be working together to be more productive, but I think you've outlined how how that's like the opposite of that is true.
2: This is crazy, but when uh, we, one of our um, services is a, is a virtual assistant, and we, when we replace people working on site 30 to 35 hours a week, we replace them with about a 15 hour a week virtual assistant. Now, that seems ridiculous, but it's true. A lot of people pay for culture uh, or what they perceive as culture and really a lack of productivity. And we we just see that happen. And so what we find is when we get great people that come out of corporate America and they join our corporate team and they start getting the work, they find that they've got hours back in their day for various reasons, but mostly because they're result oriented and they just get stuff done and they're not distracted by an office.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, what you're saying is you're actually getting, not only are you killing these productivity killers like Gossip. And I think, uh, and you talked earlier in the book, you talked about, uh, you know, just
2: killing the commute for, you know, nothing else.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. The the soul sucking commute is over when you have folks that, I mean, that we have people that join it, like they've worked in corporate America and we live in Atlanta and the traffic here sucks and. You know, and and they'll like the first couple of weeks, you can just see the look on their face. Like they're just generally more happy because they haven't spent an hour in the car each way. You know, like it's it's just hilarious.
1: So and then and then but then you're saying even during not the commute time, not the gossip time, they're just more productive. Virtual people are more productive overall anyway.
2: They are. And I I mean, for us, when we get um, say when we have team meetings or say you're in our marketing team or our sales team or relationship management team or whatever. there's more intentionality behind it because we're on a web call and we generally are saying, okay, what's the outcome? What are we hoping to accomplish through this? And it's, it's just very focused. And we've had to be that way because we've kind of been all virtual. You know, we, we can't just sit there and look funny at each other on a Brady bunch screen. You know, (laughs) we've got to look like we've got to get the stuff done and we've created some kind of some cool things to help us in meetings too, we expect our team, uh, when they're on web calls, we use zoom for our, for our um, internal web calls. We've got an enterprise account with them, but we, what we do is we say, you cannot be on mute and you have to have your video on nice. Yeah. And we have productive meetings. We get a lot done rather quick and we're intentional to hire result oriented people. It's amazing what gets done around here because of that.
1: Cool. All right. So we're talking with Brian Miles of Belay Solutions, and right now we've been talking mostly about uh, some of the challenges of the traditional workplace and a little bit about how virtual solves that. Uh, we're going to go to a break right now, but when we come back, I want to bring that home and talk about how that might impact the law, lawyers, law firms, and uh, and also some of the benefits to the remote team. And we'll go from there. But for right now, we need to hear a little bit of a word from our sponsors. Feel like your marketing efforts aren't getting you the high-value cases your firm deserves? For over 15 years, Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours attract new cases and grow their practices. As a Google Premier Partner and winner of Google's Platform Innovator Award, Scorpion has the right resources and technology to aggressively market your law firm and generate better cases from the internet. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast today. Ready to create and build your own solo or small farm practice? Need a nuts and bolts education on the 360 degree experience of starting a business? There's only one online destination dedicated to helping you achieve your goals. Solo Practice University. The only online educational and professional networking community dedicated to lawyers and law students who want to go into practice for themselves. More than a thousand classes, 58 faculty and mentors. What are you waiting for? Check out solopracticeuniversity.com today. And we're back with Brian Miles here on the Unbillable Hour. Uh, Brian is the CEO of Belay Solutions. We're talking about virtual work. We're talking about virtual culture and uh, why the way we work doesn't work anymore. And We just got finished talking about some of the challenges of the traditional workplace. But so now what I want to do, Brian, if you don't mind, is I want to talk about how does this, uh, some of the benefits that we've talked about, about the virtual workplace, how does that affect or work in a law firm? Because people really think about law firms. When you think about law firm, it's a firm, it's a place, it's a building. How does this virtual concept work in that environment?
2: Yeah, you know, I've seen this happen um, in clients of ours that are actually law firms where they've, they've kind of been challenged with this notion that well, to, to feel like a, a big boy practice, I've got to have a place yeah. where getting more and more phone calls from our prospects that are saying, hey, you know what? I really, I really value um, having more flexibility or autonomy in how I work as an attorney. And I noticed that my friend who's an attorney is working off their back deck a whole lot more than I am. So I want to start to craft a, uh, a staff, if you will, that mimics what I'm trying to accomplish, which is more freedom and autonomy. And it works. I mean, we've we've seen this happen. It's not just with attorneys, too. We see this with physicians and CEOs, and um, it, it's across multiple industries. But it, attorneys are, are definitely stepping up. I'm, we've got several here in Atlanta. Uh, that, um, they're all the more and they're flip-flops meeting at Starbucks than ever before.
1: That's, that's amazing. So, and, and, and they're finding, are they finding the same productivity gains and, and, uh, flexibility that you, that you're fine, that you were finding in your business and the other clients you worked with?
2: Well, I think that, you know, productivity is important, but I think there's just a general desire or, or a byproduct of happiness you know, that there's a sense of like, I can get my job done and be very professional and and show up in the manner that's required of me for my role or, you know, for my profession. But on the days where I'm just in the office, do I really need to go to the office? You know, can I just not work in my basement in my office at home or off my back deck? And I I think this is true. I mean, we're just, (laughs) we're seeing this so much. Um, I have conversations with hiring managers of very large corporations these days. And one of their greatest struggles that they're, they're, that you're finding is that they're finding is that there's a leadership deficit in the forty somethings right now because these people refuse to come work in an office, and
0: uh-huh. they can't
2: pay them enough money to bring them into an <laughs> office and work. They'll come in the office when it's necessary, when there's a team meeting right. or something like that. But otherwise, good luck having them come into an office. And I think that attorneys are waking up to that as well. Is that they can. Produce a great result for their clients, but it doesn't have to be done in their actual physical office. Yeah, this
1: is just uh, this is actually striking a couple of chords with me because yeah, I work uh, uh, with hundreds of law firms across the country, and it seems like the different challenges come in phases. And right now, one of the big phases is they're having trouble hiring in that senior leadership role, and that yeah. might it might be some of what you're talking about going on there. I'm gonna. Uh, look into that. I think that's pretty, very, very interesting.
2: The the, the real, the real challenge is, and it's a, just a really practical, but obvious one when you think about it is if you have a friend who's an attorney and you see them working off their back deck, you're screwed <laughs> because you now know this is possible. Right. And your, your paradigm just shifts. And this is, this is exactly right. what's happening across organizations, period. And it's, it's something that really is scratching the heads <laughs> of, of, of senior executives that are older that are like, no, this is how we always do it. We always come into an office. That's just that mindset is quickly shifting. This the sand underneath their feet is shifting very quickly on this. Yeah.
1: Now, and I'm gonna I like point out first of all to the listeners, uh that because it's important it was important to me uh in having you as a guest, uh, that you know, you you're out there preaching the gospel of virtual culture, uh talking about, you know, changing the way we work, but you required of yourself that you drank this Kool-Aid. You, you eat your own dog food. And uh, it's, let, let me think of yeah. a couple other metaphors. That can't. Um, but uh, <laughs> you're in building Belay. You faced a decision at one point whether to bring some people in-house or to keep it virtual.
2: Yeah, we did. We Because we thought that when you got to, like, I, don't know, I think it was about year three, we were doing well. And I thought, well, I guess uh, the natural progression here is to just go ahead and get into an office. Yeah. You know, this is what big boy companies do. You know, they, you know, they, they, they start doing things like this. And, and, um, so we started down the path, we hired a consultant we started looking for space and my wife who is co-founder with me, she said, you know, why don't we just survey our team and let's ask if they're interested in this office. And, and at the time, I mean, the amount of money we were going to spend was in the hundreds of thousands to, you know, for the lease, to the upfit, to, you know, to equipment and, and everything else. And we sent out a survey and resoundingly, it came back like, are you kidding? We don't want an office. And we just said, oh, well, let's not do this for sure. And then, you know, over the years, I've kind of joked about it, but it's true. Like from a sales standpoint, there have been numerous times where people said, well, can you just come by and we can kind of close the deal? And we just say, well, if we have to come see you to close the deal, we've just defeated the purpose of our business. Yeah, yeah. And most people get it, you know, so we've, we've, as we've matured, as we've grown, I mean, this is my first time in a, you know, building a business, you know, that was mine, you know, we've, we've got to a place where we've been able to, you know, create something of meaning that doesn't require an office. And we we just really want to, as best we can practice what we preach.
1: Yeah. And I think that's that really, to me, that was really astounding because I know, you know, I've worked for some big companies and some little companies. And uh, one of the great ironies of a lot of virtual assistants out there, because, I, you know, I, I started really getting jazzed about virtual assistants when I read The 4-Hour week. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> but all the companies that um, he talks about in that book, they all work out of uh, offices.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: It's pretty amazing. Yeah,
2: that's was awesome for our business. So, I mean, it, it that book came out about a year before we started our business, and it really does a great job to kind of say this is the possibility of it. But the other thing, yeah. the, the great thing about that book for me personally was it pointed to a lot of overseas solutions, and we provide all domestic solutions. So our folks here are all U.S. based.
1: Yeah, you know, that's a big point. Like, that's not an accident, right? That's something that you do very, very intentionally. Yeah,
2: but it, but that book has been awesome for people just to kind of go, oh, you know, maybe it's not a four hour work week for me. Maybe it's a 10, maybe it's a 15, whatever. It completely shifted the paradigm. It was one of the first books that really kind of created this new possibility of how to work different, in my opinion.
1: So you eat your own dog food and it's all great. And you made these decisions, but surely you've, it's not all been honey and milk. You've (laughs) you've certainly faced some challenges growing this remote team. Uh, What what, what are some of the biggest challenges you faced and had to overcome?
2: Well, I think, I think that we've had to hire appropriately. For example, there are some people that they just need to be around people and they can get lonely. And I, and I'm not even talking about necessarily like an extrovert, you know, there's, there's introverts that just need to be around people periodically. So when we interview now, we really kind of know the things to ask to say, Hey, do you really value working from home? And what does that look like for you? Um, we do a lot of personality tests to make sure that they'll, they'll kind of fit in with their particular team or the role that we're looking for. But isolation can really impact people. And we've seen them kind of down spiral and feel like, you know, gosh, I'm just not connected. Or I was, you know, I'm, I'm looking more out of it. I'm looking more for this besides my profession. I'm looking to gain some friendships or some things like that. And we have those inside our business because... Our corporate team, which is the folks that are kind of non-client facing for our business, that's about 65 full-time people here in Metro Atlanta. So, what we do is we made a decision that if you're going to work on our corporate team, you have to be in Metro Atlanta. Right. We can circle the wagons really quick when we need to have meetings and so forth. But if you want to just work specifically with our clients in in our services capacity, you can be anywhere in the United States. Yeah. So if you want to be on a corporate team, what we, we, we do, we provide a, a way for them to kind of have connections and they do, they go to lunch together and they got team meetings going on all the time. I and mean, we're, we still have to meet face to face from time to time just to get stuff done. Um, that, that where you requires a great deal of collaboration or team building. But a lot of times we just use zoom and that works just fine.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for that. Um, So what we're going to do here, we're going to take a break. We're talking with Brian Miles, uh, the CEO of Belay Solutions about virtual culture. We're going to take a break and come back. I'm going to ask you to give some advice to people who, you know, I think we've made the case now uh, for why virtual uh, company culture might be beneficial or probably would be beneficial to them. But so give give some advice and then I'm going to talk to you a little bit about why virtual assistants specifically as a role um, are really important after a message or two. Law Clerk is where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. Whether you need a first year to perform legal research or a seasoned attorney to assist with a complicated appellate brief, Law Clerk has hundreds of freelance lawyers with every level of experience and expertise. There are no sign up or monthly fees. Only pay the flat fee price you set. Increase your profits, not your overhead. Learn more at www.lawclerk.legal. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter Answer One, virtual receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. Answer One is available 24-7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. Answer One helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 1-800-ANSWER-ONE or visit them at answerone.com slash podcast For a special offer. That's answerthenumberone.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the Unbillable Hour. We're talking with Brian Miles, CEO of Belay Solutions. We've been talking about virtual culture and why uh, really working with a virtual culture inside uh, the workplace can improve productivity um, and really improve people's lives. Um, And, uh, you know, it kind of struck me during the break, uh, Brian, that. this seems to be like you were describing, and I was visualizing, you're describing like the lawyer, you know, the mid, mid-career lawyer maybe who sees uh, another lawyer a friend working on his back deck and says, you know, oh, that's possible. This is a one-way street, man. Like nobody's going to be like going, yeah. oh, and now my
2: other friend, he's going in, into the office.
1: Yeah. That looks great too.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's like that first time that you were able to um, have the opportunity to fly in a private jet. Yeah. Like you're ruined even if you've ever sat in first class. Yeah, oh, yeah. And it's just there's no going back once you once you've enjoyed or tasted the the autonomy of being able to work from home and have a great job.
1: Absolutely. So what I wanted to do in this uh, in this third segment is talk uh, to our listeners a little bit, you know, because they're they're listening to this. They're thinking, no, that sounds good. But excuse, excuse, excuse. Um, what advice would you know? It's just like talk to one of the leaders that's looking to create a healthy and sustainable virtual and let's let's think about law firm culture like what would you say to them to help them initiate this thinking and kind of get over the knee-jerk reactions that most of us have
2: well I think that if you're on the fence you know looking at okay well maybe even one day a week I can you know let my team work from home or or whatever you know or some variation of that I think you can create a powerful firm a powerful culture by saying hey I trust you because what you're saying when you allow somebody to go work from home, even one day a week, you're saying, look, I trust you to produce a result. And the currency of trust is powerful. It's a deep connector to people and employees. And so the more that you can say, look, I trust you to execute. I don't have to see you to know that things are getting done. It, it says all sorts of great things in the hearts of your employees. And it creates a more productive result. You create a healthier community of of employees as well. I've just seen it happen. I mean, I've I've had thank you notes from what you would consider to be very antiquated old industries saying, Hey, we gave this a shot and we're never going back. This is amazing. Uh you, you know, your book really helped us open our eyes to this. So it is something that I think when you, when you look at it as a whole, it's communicating trust to your employees. And that's a powerful thing. It just, and it creates benefits that, that, you know, I I probably can't even articulate based on what a law firm needs or wants to experience in, in terms of result.
1: Yeah. And that's a part of your book, honestly, that really struck a chord with me as well, because, you know, when you, when you start to think about it that way, so much of the, traditional workspace, if you will, from from the time of offices and doors, even down to cubicles and the way it's organized today. And now we're getting into like more free, free flowing. But it really all is designed around a lack of trust. And everything about it speaks of a lack of trust. Sort of the expectation that you get there at a certain time and leave at a certain time, the expectation that you're visible, that you people can see what you're doing or not doing. It's all, yeah, it's all about basically saying, I can't trust that you get stuff done unless I crack a
2: whip. Right. Or uh, I can't trust you because I can't see you. Yeah. And, and it intuitively changes people's minds when you go, hey, two days a week, you're going to work from home. I want you to have this freedom. I trust you that you're going to produce the result. It just does great things for employees and for leaders too, like if they're not the owners, but they, you know, watch a leader that's really kind of being empowered watch how much they grow and frankly watch how much your firm grows in doing this it, it trust is such a powerful currency when it's yielded up right yeah.
1: so i think one of the other knee-jerk reactions uh that and again i think you know it's so funny like this all really does come from trust but i think it, it, this one is colorably different and people might have this reaction i know i would is that, okay, that's all great. I love the fact that, you know, I'll trust people. Um, and uh, it sounds like if they're not subject to gossip and they don't have to commute, they'll be more productive. But you know what? Serendipity is a real thing. I think a lot of great ideas and a lot of creativity come from people bumping into each other. How do we replicate that if we go
2: virtual? Well, I love that one because there, you can have that. It can be done all online. I mean, we do that all the time. We have serendipity moments with our, uh, you know, our Zoom phone calls or our web calls. We have that in different ways and online formats. It's completely possible. You know, often, oftentimes I find that the reason why a company or a firm still has an office is because the owner just wants one. Yeah. You know, that's just it. Like they've, well, they grew up that way. They go into the office. They... This is just what they want and they're, you know, they're maybe a little bit more extroverted in nature and doggone it, I'm going to have me an office and people are going to come and sit in it because I'm paying for it. I've seen that more and more that the reason why people have an office is because they, they want one and they will justify that with whatever excuses to to produce that office.
1: Cool. So the last thing I want to talk about before we close uh, the show, because uh, we've like zoomed through <laughs> the show, there's so much to cover here and this is a really exciting topic for me. Um, but you, this one spoke very personally to me and I think it'll, you know, we've been so far talking about virtual culture, about the office, about productivity of the team, about trust and all that stuff. All really important, but I want to make it personal now because in your book you talk about and you make a case for why every leader, not just most leaders, not just senior leaders, by the way, every leader needs a virtual executive assistant. (laughs) Why do you think that's so important or like what, what is the case to give, to have everybody have a virtual assistant?
2: Well, I think regardless of profession, I think that you're probably really only good at one to two to three things. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you begin to suck at stuff. <laughs> and if anybody understands what their time is worth, it's an attorney or they should. Uh, and, and for me, understanding what a high payoff activity is versus a low payoff activity and then delegating the low payoff activities that, you know, are um, going to cost you more money for you to be involved in them you can break the lid of your personal capacity quickly by offloading those things to a really competent virtual assistant and my virtual assistant, she's amazing. Um, I've had one for 15 years. My current one's been with me for six years and she serves as as an extension of who I am. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes I think the word assistant really does a disservice to what they actually do. But you know, I'm, I'm easily four to five times more productive over the course of a week because she serves as air traffic control over my inbox She's, you know, overseeing all my calendar, uh, both professionally and personally. She's, you know, bird dogging projects and research for me. I mean, I'm just incredibly productive because I see her as an extension of who I am. I don't see her as just some secretary.
1: Right. Yeah. So she's keeping you in your lane and making sure that the stuff that are not the highest and best use of your time gets done either by her, I imagine, or by others.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, and we've, we've scaled our organization, but you know, a lot of it, cause I've, I've had to replace myself and get out of things and then have someone appropriately delegate that. And my wife and I, we, we had created a mantra seven years ago and thank God we did. We call it own, not run. So we want to own this business, not run this business. Own, not run. Okay. Yeah. And to do that, to own the business and not run the business, we need to find great people, resource and equip them and get out of their way. And when you have a virtual assistant that you can trust, that it serves as an extension of who you are, just look out, watch your productivity, watch your results increase, watch all your firm benefits because you've got someone looking after things that you probably suck at.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great place to end this. I have a great phrase to leave um, our listeners with at the unbillable hour who really need to be working towards owning and not running their law firms. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for being a guest.
2: Thank you for the opportunity. It's been fun.
1: That is my pleasure. And this wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Business Advisory Podcast. My guest today, again, has been Brian Miles. He's the CEO of Belay Solutions and author of Virtual Culture, The Way We Work Doesn't Work Anymore, A Manifesto. Brian, in case people are just totally intrigued, or in case, for the people that are totally intrigued by this message, um, how can they learn more about you and get in touch with you to learn more about uh, your passion uh, for virtual culture?
2: Well, there's two great places you can go. First is to our website, belaysolutions.com. And then if you want more information on our book, the book I wrote, Virtual Culture, it's just virtualculturebook.com.
1: Fantastic. Brian, again, thank you so much. Again, and this is Christopher Anderson. I look forward to seeing you next month with another great guest as we learn more about topics that help us build the law firm business that works for you. Remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at legaltalknetwork.com. Or on iTunes. Thanks for
0: joining us, and we'll see you again soon. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network.
2: Launch now at pli.edu/interactive or download PLI's mobile app.